off the ball. I don't think Springboks are in crisis because you would hate for a team that is so phenomenally good a year out from the World Cup to be world number one and then to go out in the quarterfinals. Yes, yeah, Stephen, we, we need to subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. We have the legendary Eamon Coughlin with us in studio to help promote the Griffith Avenue Mile, which takes place on Sunday, September the 18th. It's on at three o'clock. They're closing down the road and uh, it's for both elite and fun runners. Uh, families can do it and you can still sign up at griffithavenuemile.ie Eamon how are you? I find you thanks very much nice to be here How did you get involved with this and, and how important is it to you because I know you, you took part in the first one I think ever yeah, well, the first one was held in 1983, and back then um, we had the Fifth Avenue Mile in New York, we had the London Mile, the Rome Mile, the Rio Mile. So there was an initiative by IMG at a time when athletics became professional to try and get us athletes, world milers, in front of more people, like Fred LeBeau from the New York City Marathon uh, organizer coming out of Madison Square Garden said to me one night, Eamon, 20,000 people watch you guys run fast miles. Why can't we get you run? Fifth Avenue and I go what do you mean he says we'll have a straight run down Fifth Avenue and I go that's a great idea why don't we finish it at the Irish Tourist Board oh, yeah. 49th Street in Fifth Avenue that's where I worked at the time so long story short Fred didn't get permission to do it where cross traffic would uh, impinge on it and we did it along Central Park that was the first one and thereafter they continued so 1983 ABC Wide World of Sports came to Dublin to show it live we were originally going to do it maybe on O'Connell Street and do two laps of O'Connell Street which would be a mile so that wasn't able to take place and we went up to Griffith Avenue which is a beautiful tree lined avenue as you know you live up that area it's part of the north side really it's fabulous fabulous so we we went uh, onto Griffith Avenue Sidney Marie and Thomas Vessinghag Ray Flynn myself a few Spanish and Sidney won the race I think he ran like 351 mile uh, that particular day down down down, down (laughs) Griffith Avenue and it was part and parcel of that international circuit it was to try and promote uh, the mile and milers and track and field more. And were you pissed off that you didn't beat him? Uh, not really. It was a good payday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think I was third in the race. Sydney won maybe 351. I might have been 353 or okay. some, something like yeah. that. So it's a fast run down down Griffith Avenue. A really great run. And then after that, we went to Rome and we had 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 a Rome mile. So that was the start of it. And then it disappeared off the face of the earth altogether. And I think it was 2018. Uh, the folks up in All Hollows residence area up there and the Marino Atlantic club said that they were going to put on an initiative and revive the Griffith Avenue Mile, but it was going to be to revive it, to bring the community involved, to get the young kiddies, uh, the older kiddies, <laughs> uh, everybody in between, uh, wheelchair participants, and just create a really nice community atmosphere through the medium of the one-mile run down Griffith Avenue. And it gives people of all ages an opportunity to say, well, how fast can I run a mile? Can I do it in 10 minutes? Can I break five minutes? Or whatever in between as well. And this year, it's back again because of COVID obviously it didn't take place so we would hope now that we don't have any setbacks with COVID in the future and this can continue to be an annual event yeah, so, so I well, decided I'd lend my hand when I was asked by the organisers I said I can't run however I can help you to promote and talk through what the Griffith Avenue Mile is all about when I, when I was in college I used to live like in Collins I lived basically around DCU but I did a small like 4k run that took in Griffith Avenue and that's the one part of the run I totally remember the tree lines it's beautiful like and it's some that sticks in your mind because yeah. yeah it's just it's a beautiful part of Dublin 
Yeah, and it was home for me in a sense. While I was born and raised in, in Drimna, uh, living in the States, going to college in Villanova, getting married, being on the professional circuit. When I'd come home to Ireland, I'd stay up in Glasnevin. So my wife's family lived up there. So that was uh, my locale where I used to run all around Griffith Park and Albert College. But uh, the Griffith Avenue run all the way down to Art School Reach. That's it, yeah. Uh, is where it finishes. Uh, that was always my favourite part because you could get a really good, fast run because it was gradually going downhill uh, towards the Holt Road. Um, good memories of that time. If anybody wants to sign up, you can still get on at griffithavenuemile.ie. And um, yeah, it's interesting that you're talking about the kind of the heyday of the milers. Is, is there a possibility we could get something like that back where um, it becomes more... I don't know, more regular that we see the best milers run against each other in races on TV. It seems like it's the perfect TV sport. You know, it's short attention span. All you need is like 15 minutes to say, who are the runners and riders in this one? Who are the runners and riders in this one? Tell us a bit of the backstory. The race happens and it's, it's proper drama. Yeah, that's the way it was. It's, it's almost like nearly needs to be a breakaway, like the live tour <laughs> in golf. You know, something needs to disrupt uh, our sport because when you look at the American circuit, the European circuit, the Diamond League circuit, 1,500 metres, 1,500 metres. So the, the mile is something that's more or less forgotten about. Acronistic. Yeah, and only last week, would you believe, it was the anniversary of uh, Marcus O'Sullivan running his 100 sub four minute mile there are only three athletes John Walker Steve Scott and Marcus who've run over 100 sub four minute miles and people were saying well Marcus is the last person to go over 100 sub four minute miles uh, and he may be the last one ever to do it because they don't run the mile enough and the mile is something special because you can always relate to four laps or in a straightaway four minutes Um, whereas the 1500 metres if a runner runs 329 for 1500 metres the general punter doesn't go well how fast is really that yeah. but if you say he's run 358 for a mile they go ooh that's fast yeah. if you're on 347 for a mile you know it's super fast so I think there is an opportunity to revive the straight miles industry so it creates a great buzz like Fifth Avenue had a half a million people that well, I was going to say if you're a big city and it, it doesn't take the whole day like the marathon does you could easily put something like this on yep. at you know whatever non-peak times and, um, and get a circuit going uh, yeah and you, you, you can do a multiple of distances on a straight run so those the mile is going to be the target for most people but then some people might want to just go 800 metres yeah. or some of the kiddies might want to be tested over 200 metres or 400 metres so you can create a perfect festival environment on a straightaway mile uh, in a suburbia uh, like on Griffith Avenue for the whole community to really enjoy and it brings the kiddies together it brings the mammies and daddies together and you know the whole community can get involved you've obviously um, seen the evolution and um, the transformation of athletics over the last 30, 40, 50 years. Where is the sport at the moment? Do you think... Do you think it does need, and not just in the mile, but generally a bit of disruption? Um, Like, a lot of the best athletes in the world are kind of unknown for large portions of the yeah. Olympic cycle maybe around the world championships there's there's some buzz but it feels to me a little bit like the sport is lacking some way of selling its best participants and every time we talk to them every time we hear from them it turns out they're really interesting characters and they're uh, always willing to speak about what you know what it is that has made them and you know there's a lot of extroverts there as well why why is the sport not mm. more why doesn't it have more crossover appeal to football fans and to yeah. you know, the, the casual sports fan? Good question, Jer. Um, 
you know, back in my era, uh, the names were household names. It was on television, it'd be on BBC, it'd be on RTE, it'd be on ITV. You know, it, the meets were, were live. Now, nowadays, they might be live, but you have to look for BBC Red Button or you have to look on YouTube. You have to really look. It's not on terrestrial television like it used to be. But back then, we weren't competing with the likes of soccer or Gaelic football or rugby or other, other sports. Um, as much as we are today. And with all the great personalities, the John Walkers, to Seb Coes, to Steve Ovette, the mammies and daddies and grannies, got to know everybody. And I think more important then, because there were Irish people in the mix with them, Ray Flynn, myself, Marcus O'Sullivan, then Sonia O'Sullivan came on the scene. Because there's an Irish person competing and beating them, there's great Irish interest in it, and they get to know the people. Nowadays, unfortunately, there's too many great runners coming and going, if you like, from Africa, from America, from Europe, and are not necessarily round long enough for people to absorb the personality per se. And I think that is somewhat the difference between what it was like then and what it's like now. Yet, there is a disruption going on in the sport in terms of the new technology, in terms of the pacing mechanism that's going around the tracks now to try and bring get more people involved in it. And back then, if you had pacing lights going around the track, it was illegal. You'd be yeah, banned. Yeah. You couldn't do it. Now they're trying to do that to give an interest at home to the people to see if the leaders can keep up with the pace lights in order to break world records. I can see why they're doing that, and I can probably understand too why some traditionalists are like, well, you know, it's, it's not quite the same sport anymore when you have somebody, <coughs> pardon me, pacing you. Those crop of Irish, <coughs> sorry, athletes coming through at the moment. It feels like they're about to rekindle a massive uh, a dam burst in, in Irish interest. Uh, are they good enough, do you think? What's your take on, on how our sprinters, for example, at the moment, setting Irish records at um, big European meets? We haven't had this in a long time. Yeah. Is this a breakthrough crossover moment for I Irish? I think so, yeah. yeah. I really think so. And like the European Championships, for example, were, were great, wasn't it? Great, great viewing for the Irish athletes. And the range from Sarah Lavin running in the 100 metre hurdles all the way through to our middle distance runners, our field eventers out there. There's a great spread all the way across multiple of, of disciplines. In terms of where are we looking at the future? It's very tough beyond European level. That's exactly where we're able to compete, and I think we'll do better as we go over the next three, four years at that level. When it comes to world level, world championships, Olympic Games, there's still a little bit of a way to go. Um, however, if I was to pick who potentially can you know win at world championship level, you'd have to go to uh, Radisha uh, Adelecki. Uh, her performance is over 400 metres at 19 years of age uh, is world class no does, she, does, she, does she can she reach her potential in Ireland because she's obviously decided that the States is the way to go for her um, and is that like one of the challenges that we have that if you want to be a top class athlete you kind of almost like football you do need to leave the country I think you still have to go away uh, very much so and for someone like her she's in the perfect environment to get her to the next level the next level being world class level which she's already at but I'm talking about world class level and winning and I think when she's down in Texas, where she, where she goes to school, she's actually serving her apprenticeship, if you like, down there over four years. She's halfway through now, and already she's becoming a world star. I think she only ran six 400-meter runs 
only this year yeah. and, mm-hmm. and she's gone under 50 seconds on a number of occasions uh, in relay splits so people are watching her so while she's in Texas while she's training in a perfect warm weather environment amazing facilities the people that she's training with are as good as her so in order for her to become a world star she has to beat them first so once she beats them which she's doing now all of a sudden she gets that confidence and belief in herself and says well hey if I can beat these guys I can beat the rest in the world yeah. so that's the environment that is afforded to her over there that's not here which is fair enough weather conditions yeah. facilities are fine in Ireland now there's no question about that but I think it's, it's, it's the atmosphere the environment and the people you surround yourself with helps to raise that bar all the way through so you take uh, others um, Sarah Healy she's a great engine over 1500 metres she just lost a little bit of confidence in herself now this year and she should just step back and say okay that's a year gone by rekindle regroup get myself organised now for the next two years leading up to Paris and I think Sarah no doubt can make the final of the Olympic Games in in 2024 Um, but my fear for Sarah is and it's my only personal opinion is she's not in that environment Mm. she's the lead runner she's the one who's going to the track on the cold days with, with her mates but she's not being pushed by people that are better than her in, in, in this particular environment that's what America provides that Ireland does in terms of the promotion of sport like what Kieran McGeehan did like that yeah. must have been worth so much like you had a smiling face all f- mm. front of every paper like yeah. at her age as well it was just like it was a great story yeah I was 30 years of age too and I won the world championship yeah. so uh, Sarah or should I say um, Kira, yeah. Kira hung in there because she went through a tough time the last couple of years or more uh, where she was maybe losing a little bit of confidence the niggles were there and there she was studying as to become a physical therapist in college so between pursuing her athletics pursuing her studies and the bits that were happening in between that she just went off but She's a real true champion. She won the world silver medal uh, as a junior, mm. beating all the Africans in, in the process pretty much out there. She's top pedigree girl. She's regained her confidence. She has a new coach now, uh, Helen Clitheroe, over in the UK, who's obviously got into her head in a great way and instilled that self-confidence back in her. And I think the best race that Kira has ever run was the European Championships from a tactical perspective Authority. and a gutsy perspective. Mm. When she got in Attention. She was in the top three going through the, what, the first two and a half laps. And when Laura Muir came from the back right up to the front, she made an instant move and two strides. She was boom, gone. Well, Kira reacted to that immediately. And she went after her to try and haul her back, haul her back. She almost was about to catch her. And then Laura got an extra gear, went away. But Kira didn't give up. She kept going and kept going. And I was so proud of her and so happy for her that she came away with a silverware there. Now, she's not finished yet. She's got two more good years ahead of her. I think what happened this year in the Europeans will give her a confidence to believe I can beat the best of them out there in the world now. It's funny because her quality performance came after the back of a similar quality performance in the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. But it was the regular racing that, that really benefited. Yeah. I did want to ask you about that because... Yeah. Uh, Rashida Adelecki, you know, that was the end of her season. There was some talk in at one point that she wasn't going to go to the Europeans because she was so exhausted after yeah. uh, after the racing. But like I remember talking to Ronnie Delaney and also uh, hearing Sonia Sullivan uh, talking about it before. The American collegiate system it wears you out. Uh, is is one uh, glass half empty way? The other glass half full is you race and race and race and race and race and yeah, race and yeah. race. And so as a result of the racing, yeah. you get into race mode, and yeah. that's the bit you can't fake. It's yeah. like you're whatever the equivalent of the ten thousand hours 
Harris is yeah. you're getting your competitive instincts honed you're becoming tactically aware you're getting your elbows out yeah. like, literally and metaphorically yeah, yeah. In, in some distances yeah. like America will either make you or break you uh, it'll make you if you're really good and you have the natural potential to be the best uh, it'll, it'll break you uh, if you're really, you know, not grade A runner, you might be grade B or grade C and you can't cope with the psychology of it out there. You can't cope with the physicality of the training out there and you're just not able to endure the hard work. But there's no replacement for hard work. And again, I'll just come back that the American system teaches you to win, 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 not necessarily run fast time, to get into the mix, to try and learn to win races from the back, from the middle, from the front, from, from leading it. So you're going to get every single little piece of the jigsaw puzzle uh, in every single race that you run and it'll learn, you learn how to be able to cope with any type of situation. Because there's probably, there's probably a sports science movement that says, oh, that's too much, you're racing too much, you know, and the opposite side of that is actually, well, we might be racing too much, but in two years' time, we'll have this in this experience we might not run our fastest time this year but in two years time we will actually be a better athlete because tactically and technically we'll have an experience of it so there's there's probably a bit of give and take is there uh, there would be a little bit of give, give and take all right but sometimes science can get in the way as well sometimes sports psychology can get in the way as well in my opinion and i say that from the point of view that the sports psychology you know it doesn't come off the last turn and know what it's like to get down 100 meters to go with two or three people right in your shoulder and knowing and teaching you how to keep your hand over the candle the longest and it's the guy who can keep his or her hand over that candle going down that final straight away to get beyond the line the hurt and psych psychological pain more than anything else um, and likewise the other science that goes into it about strength and conditioning I know some coaches who take uh, an interval training let's say you're doing six times 1,000 metres so you go off and you do your first 1,000 metres the blood's taken a little bit of blood from your earlobe or your finger putting it into a computer saying oh okay I think you better back off right a little bit now you know that's kind of over the top as far as I'm concerned the bottom line is get out there run your rear end off as hard as you possibly can can in every single workout and a good coach will be able to tell you just looking at you okay we'll ease up today we'll ease up today but you have to constantly push yourself beyond because you might think oh I'm sorry I need a rest I need a rest that could be just psychological fatigue as opposed to physical fatigue and a really good coach has to be able to identify that one last thing I wanted to add, we had um, Daniel Kukalan on he's uh, Israel Alatunde's coach and he was saying that at the moment obviously so uh, Israel I think is living in Dundalk going to college in UCD and training out in Tala and he said uh, America's not on the horizon at the moment but there was definitely an implication that at some point down the line he's still only 20 so he could easily go to college in America and have a couple of years in the American collegiate system and as a sprinter you know having reached his European level now where he's running Irish records in a European final if you were his agent or his manager or a a conciliary would you be saying it's it's worth us having a few conversations with the American establishment uh, in the collegiate system and just seeing what's on offer I'm not sure what his eligibility would be in America because of the number of times he would have competed for UCD here. Okay, so So that might... Yeah, so for example, if he ran uh, his first year, second year, third year in Ireland in one race to... The, 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 the collegiate championships the university championships in Ireland that would make him ineligible for America except for one year but if he's gone the fourth year here and even just run one race for, U, for UCD he'd be ineligible but at the same time he's perfect he's what 20, 21 years of age now he's at the perfect age I believe if he wants to raise the bar and get to the next level by going to the best camp for 100 metre trainers in America 
They're really good people there. He's going to learn new skills for training, uh, new explosive skills, starting skills, strength skills. How important is the start? Sorry? How important is the start at that, at that, that, that distance? Like, it must be... Like, it's probably the most important yeah. part. Getting out. Yeah. And I think psychologically, if you can... I'm not a sprinter, obviously, but if you can get out, in a, out of the blocks really fast, really well, you, it strikes a chord. You know that mm. you've done it. And then the rest of the race will take care of itself. But what uh, Israel has, his real strong weapon is his ability over the last 30 metres. Oh, he's powerful. So I think if he was to get... And this is with all due respects to his coach here right now, who's done phenomenal work with him. There's no question about that to get him and break the Irish record this year. But but if he, he'll need to take, you know, like three, four tenths of a second, which is a lot yeah. uh, in, in, in a 100 metres off his time. And in order to just take those half a second or less off his time, I think he needs to go to the next level by being in that environment, being in that mix with the best 100 metre coaches that are available. How good to could him. he be? Well, how good could he be? I think he'd be good enough to win a European championship. Uh, would he be good enough to win a world championship? I doubt that. I doubt that. And that's not a criticism of it. It's just, again, an opinion uh, of him. It's a long way. It'd be like asking uh, uh, a a miler, for example, who runs 356, um, and he's running 356, 357, 356. Okay, a change in training will get you down to 348. Mm, It really won't unless you have the talent. It's a big jump. You just have to have that extra natural ability uh, to be able to, you know, hit the fast times on a regular basis the one thing is that it inspires everybody who comes after them to that's the target now yeah. and mm. so it, it gets harder but yeah. it also you're going to have to be genuinely international class to get that again and so all yeah. of a sudden uh, you hope that it, it brings people through that we yeah. now have the systems in place you, you well I think it will because Ger, after watching the European Championships um, and the excitement generated by the media the performances of all our, our athletes there the kiddies in the clubs want to be just like Israel want to be like uh, Adelecki they want to be like the others there they're talking about it so in my running club uh, MSB Metropolitan Harriers and, and St. Bridget's um, the amount of inquiries that have come into our club in the last few weeks alone is unbelievable there's a waiting List. There's a waiting and list. And there's yeah. been a waiting list yeah. for the last year and a half. Um, and now, now there's a longer waiting list. But, the, but the waiting it's list, inspiring the kiddies. The waiting list is a really interesting point because actually the the facilities... I remember the ESRI doing a report 20 years ago saying everybody always talks about facilities, but facilities are actually less important than you might think. What's more important is getting good quality coaches. Because yeah. good quality coaches will make do with crappy facilities and yeah. the kids will still get the access to... Yeah. And then eventually the facilities will follow... It, we kind of have this oh if you build it they'll come mentality but actually what you need to do is invest in coaching yeah. that's the single most important thing to transform a sport yeah. and uh, the waiting lists are because they don't have enough coaches yeah. it's not because you, you don't you can run around a field we'll find somewhere for you to, to do a bit of training but if you yeah. don't have enough coaches yeah. so that's the bit where the funding needs to come in and it's interesting even yeah. like I, I don't know if I don't know how many full time professional coaches there are but not many and certainly I wouldn't say there's too many professional coaches do you know who the professional coaches are? Professional coaches are the guys and the gals who have a good knowledge in athletics and are coaching the joggers out there to improve their 5K times, their 10K times, or their marathon times. So they're able to charge an individual. It's like going to the golf pro. Yeah, you yeah. go to a golf pro and they charge you a 100 euro a lesson. 
so in terms of the joggers out there who want to be guided, they'll go to a, a guy who was a half-decent runner in, 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 in his day. He knows a little bit about running. They'll pay him, and he'll help them to improve their times. But when it comes to the elite level... There'll be no funding. Why? Because athletics is the poor man's sport. Mm. I am an, an example of that. You know, I come retire from my career. I get involved in coaching in my club. I coached a few lads over the years. You know, getting them ready for the Olympic Games, getting them ready for Europeans, or getting them ready for national championships. But I'm doing that for nothing. Now I don't complain about it. I'm happy to give back, no problem whatsoever. And the clubs in Ireland at the moment, and in fairness to the AAI, they have a wonderful system for. Uh, Parents, for example, who, because their children are in the local athletic club, they're asked to get involved in a voluntary way. In order for them to be able to coach, first of all, they have to be vetted. And then number two, they have to pass their grade one, their grade two or their grade three equivalents. So those coaches in the clubs, we depend on them in a voluntarily way. And they're glad to give up their time. No question about that. And they're able to get the kiddies who join at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 and 14 up to a certain standard. And when they achieve that certain standard... That's when you really need the uh, highly qualified coaches to step in and do it. And maybe there should be an educational system more funded for coaches like that. Do you think at state level that people realise the change in DNA of Irish kids now as well? Like you see in football, like that we have massive potential. Yes. This could be something that really like benefits the nation, benefits kids in all parts of Ireland if, if, if there were some sort of investment in be it coaching or facilities like yeah I think I think a huge investment should be made because again you're depending on those parents um, to invest in their own coaching education the thing is that their their interest is generally in their own family mm. and, and as a result like that's very short term you know some yeah. some of those obviously then go on to become great local volunteers for other uh, yeah. generations and it's very important and I'm not, I'm not but it feels to me like the one block in the whole system here is actually Actually, uh, injecting a slew of professional coaches into the system, for example, from right? abroad or like no, or no, it doesn't. They don't have to be abroad. There's those great Irish coaches who you could just give full time jobs to and, hey. and and upskill. Yeah, if if you look at the success of the GAA in Dublin in particular, Bertie, when his plan came in, it was to hire full time games development and games promotion officers. There are full time employees who are half paid for by the GAA and half paid for by the local club which almost all the money ultimately comes from the government at some Mm -hmm. level right Mm -hmm. if we just did that for athletics Mm -hmm. we'd be much faster as a country which would also benefit all our other sports by the way so that's is that the bit that's just the the one kind of piece of the pie yeah we have massive participation we have waiting lists anecdotally right across the country for athletics but we don't have anybody whose job it is on a daily basis to make their yeah, well, in fairness to athletics, we have the uh, development officers uh, in there who are around the country. They're, they're speaking to the clubs, they're identifying their needs, and they're trying to help them as much as possible. But I think certainly more funding needs to go into that, rather than depending on a parent who's going there on a voluntary basis to coach the, the kiddies. Um, he or she might not be able to go on a Sunday, might not be able to go on a Saturday, might not be able to. So there's less of a commitment. Uh, and when from their those kids people. finish, they kind of finish up as well. Exactly. Yeah. 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 On balance, are you pretty positive, or how do you, how do you feel about how we're doing at the moment? I'm excited by yeah. Irish athletics, no question about it. Um, I was away during the European Championships uh, overseas on holidays with my wife and uh, all her kids, and sure, I tuned in morning, noon, and night, and I was cheering loud all the way. And I just felt this is the first time in a long time that you really got excited about Irish mm-hmm. athletics. And I really think with the likes of uh, Adelecki and Israel and uh, young uh, Koskaran, Andrew Koskaran, uh, 
Luke O'Neill, uh, you've got Kira, you have um, Sarah Healy, even Sarah Lavin. So well, like. It's just really, really exciting times where now we're all, they're all beginning to think, hey, we can do this. So once that belief sets in on top of the hard work, I think there'll be exciting times over the next three or four years for Irish athletics. I have a last question for you. If we were to run the Griffith Mile to the best athletes in Ireland, who wins? Uh, the Griffith Avenue Mile with the best Irish athlete well you'd have Andrew Costco we've got about five or six lads now all under four minutes for a mile 353 to 356 and there's, there's a, a minimum of a half a dozen of them so if they all came together that would be a great day for Irish miling and Irish athletics just to witness them and for the people the punters to be able to line Griffith Avenue on the 18th of September and see them I'd probably have to say at this stage Andrew Coscarum because you know he's a dogged runner and he doesn't give up and we saw that when he qualified for the uh, final of the uh, championships in in, in uh, Munich, if uh, if you want to take part, there are if you're elite and you want to take part, you can do that. If you want to go for a fun run, uh, you can yeah. do that at Griffith Avenue Mile.ie for the tickets. That's right. You know the elite runners will be championship timing uh, for them. For the rest of the people, they won't be championship timing, but they can run the mile. They will identify their time when they get finishes, and it'll be a fun day in Griffith Avenue. You can walk it or shuffle it. Uh, that's my experience of it anyway. So yeah, it's going to be great. Thanks you for helping us. Listen, uh, thank you coming in today. Yeah. That's Eamon Coughlin. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.